Church in the Wild, welcome to Super Bowl Sunday. You gave yourself a reason to come to church on Super Bowl Sunday. Give yourself a round of applause. You are here. We are We are here. Oh, you can clap for yourselves louder than that. Don't be humble. Don't be humble. Maybe you should be humble. I don't know. I'm just up here right now. Hey, my name's Jason. I get to be the pastor of Church in the Wild, and I am uh, excited for this series. We are walking through a series called Everything I Know About Life I Learned From. And we're just learning how to find value in a world full of voices because reality is there is a lot of voices out there. Um, you, can, you can turn on any form of now streaming or television if you prefer to stick with the television like we used to and the direct TV cable stuff. Or you can stream things or you can go onto your phone and you can get online on your laptop, anything. And you're going to find a lot of people telling you what to do, think, believe. And they're all going to tell you the exact opposite of somebody else. In fact, I tried all week to get this video up here and I couldn't, so I'm going to try to explain it the best to you. But there's a, there's a video going around of a man who's trying to eat only the foods that influencers tell us we should eat. And so he's got an empty plate and he's just eating this empty plate as all these influencers are like, stop eating fruit. Fruit's going to kill you. Stop eating vegetables. Vegetables are bad. And they're just going through this list and he's like trying to eat an empty plate. It's, real, it's really, I think, very ironic and funny. In reality, we live in a world full of voices. And probably this week, as we go into uh, tonight's Super Bowl, all of those voices escalate and they all rise up and they all keep going. Um, I will point out that um, we, we like to work and partner with an organization called Out of Darkness, and our, Out of Darkness rescues people who are trafficking victims, and um, Out of Darkness tells us that the highest day for trafficking in America is Super Bowl Sunday, and so um, I want to just praise and thank them for a minute and just appreciate all that they do to help rescue people who are being trafficked, um, and let's... Let's also point out that, that these people who, um, they're fleeing from traffickers and fleeing from people who are actively oppressing them, and that takes a tremendous amount of faith and courage. And um, I get probably a text a week from this organization, and they'll say, hey, a, a brave person escaped, and they fled, and we're hiding them for a while until they can get back on their feet. And they're one of my favorite organizations to work with. I just think um, that's, that's so important. Um, that being said, as we go into today, uh, you, will, you will realize one thing tonight. That if you don't have the right quarterback on your team, you don't have a chance in the Super Bowl. Um, the, the NFL has, has made it so that you have to have the right quarterback on your team. Uh, and there's a lot of different types of quarterbacks. There's running quarterbacks, there's throwing quarterbacks, there's combo hybrid quarterbacks. But in the NFL, if you don't get that guy, you're not going to make it to the Super Bowl. And it's interesting, I just read uh, last night, there are five teams in the NFL currently working to trade up 
all so that they can get higher on the list of the first round of the draft coming up so they can get higher up to get a quarterback that they want because the quarterback position in the NFL is so important. Now, what's interesting about the uh, quarterback position is that uh, in this Super Bowl, you have a man worth $500 million playing. And uh, Mark's favorite guy from the Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, there we go, shout out to the Chiefs, Um, $500 million on getting the right quarterback. So he's playing tonight. I think he's already won several Super Bowls. The guy, he's running one way, look, throwing the other way, doing all these things. I mean, just absolutely an incredible talent. Um, and you have on the Chiefs, you have uh, Travis Kelsey, and you have the celebrities, right? all the celebrities up in the booth, and you have all of those things going on on one side of the field. And across from them is a quarterback the NFL lovingly refers to as Mr. Irrelevant. Now, if you know anything about that term, In the NFL, it's all about getting the number one pick. You need to get the highest pick that you can possibly get on your team so you have the best chance of getting the best quarterback on your team so you can win the Super Bowl. And a couple years ago, the San Francisco 49ers with the very last pick in the draft, having already had two really good quarterbacks on their roster, went ahead and with the last pick, picked a man named Brock Purdy. And Brock Purdy was given that wonderful title, Mr. Irrelevant. And he actually went into the season and wasn't starting. And then there was injuries and then there was some stuff happening. And all of a sudden, Brock Purdy came in. And on his team, the 49ers were kind of like, well, he's not very good. So let's just do everything to keep him from losing the game. But slowly, as they began to work together, you now have a San Francisco 49ers team that has this incredible offense led by this quarterback who they realize now is almost an MVP candidate. Like he's that quality of a quarterback, yet you have him on his rookie contract as the last pick in the draft, like almost making league minimum versus a guy making $500 million to play the same position. And I think it shows us that the the quarterback, who you select to be the leader of your team, really matters. It really matters. I think we can look at life and we can draw some of the similar conclusions. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to read verses 1 through 16. I'm going to read pretty quickly. I would urge you to highlight, underline, take notes, and... Read again later on uh, through Ephesians chapter 4. We will be doing, our next series is called Bless Your Heart. It is a series on uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And then once we finish up Bless Your Heart, we will be doing a sermon series. Uh, We'll just be walking expositionally through Ephesians as we go into the summer. Um, And so I will be taking much more time in that series for context than I am today. Um, And I would also say when we get into that series uh, put on your spiritual seatbelts because Ephesians um, Ephesians is a tough read. So uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. 
but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Now look at verse 11. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head unto Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is such a fascinating passage, and I actually think it, it, it has direct parallels to the way that an NFL team is run. And I'll give you this example. In the NFL, you have to draft the right quarterback. You have to, you have to pick that guy in the NFL draft or get him through free agency, uh, and you have to make sure that he is the right one. Why? Because you are trusting the future of every part of your organization to that quarterback. The quarterback has to have full control of that team. He has to have mastery of that team. He has to be the one who knows all the positions on the field. He has to know everything about that offense. He has to know about the other team's defense. And so you have to pick the right one. And if you don't draft the right quarterback, you're almost doomed from the get-go. I happen to... Um, I love a, a particular quarterback. His name is Tom Brady. Um, he is, as I was telling Cooper this morning, the GOAT. Um, and I used to really enjoy, uh, my dad is a Spartans fan. And uh, so my dad, my dad did not watch the uh, NFL. He would not watch college football. He would only listen to it on the radio. So on Saturdays, we would be working around the yard or cleaning the house or doing something, and he would be listening to his Spartans, right? And he always hated the week that they played Michigan because he would say, we're undefeated all the way to Michigan and then we lose it every time. And so growing up, I was, I was a Wolverine fan. So when Tom Brady made it to the Patriots, I was so excited. And then he started to win and to win and to win. And what he showed is that, man, listen, you have the right quarterback. It really matters. Even looking at the uh, New England Patriots now, right? The man's gone and a Hall of Fame coach is told, hey, you should resign because this isn't working, all because of the quarterback. In life, you have to draft the right quarterback. In Christianity, you have to give control of your life to the right person. You have to, at some point in your life, say, God, either I am in control of eternity or you are. God, either every decision I make is run by my friends or by you. God, either every part of my life is led through you or through money. At some point in all of our life, we have to decide, is God going to be, is Jesus going to be the king of my life? 
Is he going to be the one who I trust to lead this team called my family, my church, my life? And that's a tough decision, but unfortunately, a lot of us, I think, stop right there. What I, what I see in, about American Christianity is so many of us draft the right quarterback, and because we do that, we think, well, we're good. I asked Jesus Christ to save me. I gave him control of eternity, so now I'm good. But what we don't do is we don't give Jesus control of today. So what we're saying to him is, hey, when I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away, God. You got me. I prayed the prayer. You saved me. But it's a little bit like, um, it's a little bit like the Kansas City Chiefs drafting Patrick Mahomes and then calling me and saying, yes, we drafted him, but we want you to throw the ball. Now, how would that work out for them? Not very well. Andy Reid is uh, one of the greatest Coaches, I believe, of all time, phenomenal play caller. But if Andy Reid drafted Patrick Mahomes and then walked out there every Sunday and said, thanks, I got it from here. Now, Patrick Mahomes is really fast. He's got like a 4.4, 4.4 4, 4 second 40, I think. I would bet Andy Reid's is about 12 seconds. That would not work out. But what we do spiritually so often is our, in our life is we say, God, I want you to save me, and that's good, and that's important, and that, that matters so much. But then we say, but I'll take it from here. I want you to have my eternity. I'll decide who I date. I want you to have my eternity. I'll decide on the church. I want you to have my eternity. I'll decide on my future. I want you to have my eternity. I'll decide on the money. I want you to have my eternity. I'll decide on my kids. I want you to have my eternity. I'll decide on the house. And so what we do is we draft the right quarterback, but great teams also learn from the right quarterback. So what we see now, it happens all the time. And you'll, if you follow NFL players at all, you will see this pattern. Typically what a quarterback does now is in the offseason, he rents a really nice vacation spot somewhere. He calls all of his receivers and all of his tight ends and all of his running backs, and they all get together in the offseason and they go over the playbook and they run routes all day. Why? Because when you draft the right quarterback, you need to learn from the quarterback. You got to learn from them. In our lives, it is important to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. It is also important to learn from his playbook. It is also important to get into scripture. It is important to get into a church community. It is important to get into a church family. It is important to be part of someone and trying to learn from him. But also, you have to train with the right quarterback. Imagine if uh, the 49ers said, hey, Brock, we drafted you. We want you to teach our offense, but we're not going to have you show up at training camp. We don't, we, don't, we don't want that. We don't want you there. That would not go well. But then lastly, you have to trust the right quarterback. So I was thinking about, I know that um, when I say this name, it's going to elicit one of two responses. Either you're going to be like, yes, or you're going to be like, man, I can't stand that guy. And they show that girl on the TV all the time, and it drives me nuts. I don't even got to say it. Imagine if the Kansas City Chiefs drafted Patrick Mahomes, and all offseason, Travis Kelsey was hanging out with him, and he ditched the concerts, and he ditched the paparazzi, and he went and hung out. And man, they had the playbook down, 
and all offseason and into training camp, they practiced every day and they trained together every day. And then tonight they get to the Super Bowl and Patrick Mahomes is like, okay, look, we're going to run X right rocket 32, but kill to um, L37-4. And then Travis Kelsey's like, we ain't doing that. I'm going to throw the ball from here on out. It's the Super Bowl. I got it from here, Patrick. Go sit down. You know what? You know the only thing Travis Kelsey has to do tonight to have 11 catches versus the Baltimore uh, Ravens? He's just got to run the route that Patrick Mahomes tells him to run. That's it. And so often, when you watch the NFL, it's so fascinating to me because these dudes run their routes and they run it and they turn around and the ball's right there in their face. But if they don't trust the quarterback, it leads to disaster. I'll tell you two other quarterbacks, and this one, see, Jesse, I'm going to make you happy today. I'm going to make you happy with this, all right? Normally, I talk about how I'm stronger than Jesse, because I am. So, uh, you know, we work out together, and it's like, come on, is that all you got, buddy? I mean, come on. Um, is this just the bar? Are we warming up? Or, uh, but, but, in 1996, the Dallas Cowboys were playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Troy Aikman was a phenomenal quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. And the Pittsburgh Steelers had a guy named Neil O'Donnell. And I've always been you know, confused by the Steelers because they forgot to put the logo on the other half of their helmet. And it just like confused me anyways. But, but Neil O'Donnell really confused me because in this game, in the Super Bowl, in the biggest moment of his life, in the biggest game, highest level, Neil O'Donnell called a play in the huddle. He dropped back. He threw it to where the receiver was supposed to go. But the receiver didn't trust him. And he ran a different route because he thought he knew more. And he threw it straight into the chest of the defensive back named Larry Brown, who ran it into the end zone, and the Cowboys scored. And about 37 plays later, Neil O'Donnell dropped back and did the same exact thing. And the receiver ran the wrong route again. And Larry Brown caught it and ran into the end zone again. And he had two pick sixes in the Super Bowl. All because one receiver didn't trust the quarterback. In our lives, we have to decide. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, I want you to hear this because this is so crazy. In, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, he says, or, um, he says that he's calling all these people. He's got apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, right? But in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, he says, I a prisoner for the Lord. So here's the man who is responsible for planting all of these churches. The guy who established the church of Ephesus, he's saying, hey, some of you have this role, some of you have this role, some of you have this role, some of you have this role. What I've learned is Jesus is my Lord and I just completely trust him and that's all that I am and nothing else. If we don't learn to trust God over ourselves, we will make disasters out of our own lives. But here's the truth. We need to understand that we need Jesus to be our, our leader when life is going bad. And we need Jesus to be our leader when life is going right. Because Jesus at one point said, what does it profit a man if he gains the entire world but loses his own soul? So we can be the most, in our world, seemingly successful person at everything and anything we do. And at the end of the day, we didn't have Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. And we still lose. 
which brings me to the real reason I'm wearing this jersey today. I did grow up a Michigan fan. I did, uh, I did really like Tom Brady. Tom Brady has won more Super Bowls than any quarterback in NFL history. But a little while ago, Tom Brady decided, you know what? I need to win one more. And in the process of winning the Super Bowl, you can't help but notice it. He's standing, he's hoisting the Lombardi Trophy. And he lost everyone who, who was around him. He lost his wife, he lost his kids, he lost his friends, Julian Edelman, Gronkowski, they're gone. And so he did win. He did have what we would define as success, but at what cost? In our lives, we have to decide, is Jesus the one who leads my life, or am I? And I can, at times in my life, do incredible things on my own, and I can succeed at certain levels, and I can do certain things, so all of my neighbors and my friends and everyone who looks at me says, that man is a success, that woman is a success, that teen is a success, that young adult is a success, but at what cost? Because even if I can live my own life to my full capability, number one, I never could have accomplished what Jesus could have through me. And number two, I still have to stand in front of him someday, knowing that I trusted myself more than the one who created the universe just by speaking love into it. You read, you read Revelations, and it's like this wild book, and it's kind of crazy at times, and you're like, what is happening? But I think that the point of that is to show us God is infinitely greater than we can ever hope, think, or imagine. And yes, we don't understand him, but the, the presence of questions is not actually the absence of faith. It takes faith to remain in the questions. But at some point in all of our lives, you and I, we have to stand before our creator. And we have to say either I called on you or I didn't. Either I trusted you or I trusted myself. So in our life, we have to get the right quarterback. We have to know our role. We have to know our role. Our role in life is that God is the king of our life. We have drafted him, we have learned from him, we have trained with him, we have to trust him, and then he gives us a role within that. He says, hey, I'm the prisoner, right? But God gives us, he gives us apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Paul is saying, hey, listen, all of us have a role within this calling that we have. And the beautiful thing about Christianity is when we say to him, hey, I give you my life, I give you my soul, I give you control, I give you everything and anything, I give it all to you. Jesus then says, welcome to the family, I got a role for you. I think of these NFL teams and what's so cool about the NFL teams is that Patrick Mahomes gets the same ring as the backup kicker. 
that's all I need to be on God's team, to be honest. Like, bro, it's just like, just let me be on the field, sir. <laughs> right? They all get the same ring. Now, Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback, the guy. But Kadarius Toney, who drops one out of every three passes, gets the same ring. That's so fascinating to me. Because it's such a beautiful example of Christianity. When you look at an NFL team, they all win or they all lose. In Christianity, all of us have a role to play. God did not save us to keep us isolated. God saves us and he draws us into a family. He says, welcome to the family. Welcome to the team. I've got a role for you. So you got to know your role. But secondly, you got to show your role. You got to show your role. He says, the reason God gives us these different roles is the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the truth and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Later on, it says, rather, we must speak the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which is it equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We have to know our role. God has given us a role in the kingdom of God. We have to then show our role. And this is so important. I, I tell my daughter, our daughter all, this all the time, um, we were watching How to Train Your Dragon 2, and um, the dad, of course, because every dad in every movie who's a good dad dies, um, and so, like, the only the bad dads get to hang around on Disney, right? <laughs> like, if you want to hang around on Disney, you better not be a good dad, right? Um, so he, uh, the, the good dad dies, and Isla starts sobbing, and she's bawling, and she's like, I don't want you to die, dad. And she's telling me, and I'm telling her, I'm like, listen, part of being a dad is, like, you are willing to do anything for your child. And I'm telling her, and then I remember the scriptures, and I'm like, yeah, but I'm also forgetting that I need to teach her and equip her and train her. So we were we were at a traffic light, and um, we were we were we were leaving a Christi Christian establishment, <laughs> and um, we were coming into a Christian establishment, and there were some people leaving the Christian establishment, and um, one of them thought somebody else should shouldn't have gone when they went, and so with their church sticker on them, they gave them the one finger salute and honked their horn at them, and they're like, "Good job, way to see, good good day, have a good day." It's like you know, and uh, I told Isla, I'm like, "Girl, don't marry someone who's always mad at everyone." <laughs> like just, just marry someone who's nice and calm and chill. Why? Because I, 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 I believe that God not only calls us into a role, I believe that every one of us should show that role to others. I believe God specifically calls you so that you can teach your family, you can teach your friends, you can teach your church, you can teach those around you how to live in the fullness of Christ. I believe that, man, listen, it's, it's so encouraging. Like, you can hear the teenagers right now, right? And that, that rather than discouraging me, is super encouraging. Because two years ago, we didn't have any teenagers. None. Chas, am I right? Chas, Chas and Brian and I sat in, the, in a room with just Charlie. Not that it's just Charlie, but Charlie is the man. But Charlie and, and Chas and Brian and I sat down in a room, and we're like, we're going to start a teen ministry. And Charlie's like, cool, with who? You, you're it. Welcome, pal. 
You know, they went to an escape room and there was like 16 teenagers. Brian was like, I've never had this problem. We didn't have room. I didn't know what to do. I had to tell people like, I think we could. We've never had that issue before. And right now, you know, every one of those kids came because of one family and one teenager who understood the love of Christ. <laughs> Last year we baptized Charlie and he's like, He's, all, he's very strong. Like, so there's a picture of him, and, and we're baptizing him. And I, I sent it to Scott, and I'm like, geez, this kid is strong. He's just muscles everywhere. But, but he, he's so polite. So I was telling him, like, this is how we baptize people. We do this thing called barbecue and baptism. We do it out at, the, at Red Bank, and, and we go through this process, and we have two people who baptize one people because it represents the Trinity because God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they're all there. And I'm giving him this whole, whole thing. And he's the whole time worried that he's going to offend me because it's not me that's baptizing him. And finally, at the end, he's like, man, I, I really want my dad. <laughs> I'm like, yes, please, I want your dad to baptize you. <laughs> Why? Because I believe it's our, all of our roles to show our role. I believe every one of us is called to show others access and show others ways and show others paths into the kingdom of God. And then... Equip them when they arrive. This is why uh, Caleb crying makes me happy. Because a couple years ago, we didn't have any babies in our church. And, and if you remember, when we did have babies in our church, they were in these little yellow and purple and green squares, and they weren't allowed by anybody else because we'd just come out of COVID, and they were like wearing masks separated from everybody else, and it was just crazy. And today we have kids in kids' church and kids' workers in kids' church and teen ministry going on and all of these things because God calls us to show our role. So who are you sharing your story of the gospel with? Who is the one person God has placed around you who you can have a conversation with about? You know, I can talk to you about Jesus. And I know, look, I get it. It's hard. My wife's so much better at me at this than I am. Brian is so much better at this than I am. Brian, Brian and my wife will just pray with people anywhere. And I'm like, what's happening? Oh, boy, what's happening? I'm freaking out right now because <laughs> it's got to be written down for me to be able to do it. And if it's on the spot, I'm like, oh, no. I was telling uh, Lance last week, he's like, I can't do announcements. I was like, buddy. I, I could preach to a stadium with 100,000 people, no problem, as long as you give me enough time to practice and, and write it down. But if you ask me to come up to this congregation and do announcements, I'm like, no, thank you, I can't. Because I, I, it's like too sudden for me. We all are equipped in different ways. It's our church's job. We believe that Everyone, no matter where they are in their spiritual journey, has a next step. And we believe that next step begins in the Connect Center. And we believe it is our church's job to help you take that next step. And we believe it is our job to figure out ways to equip you. This is why we're doing a lot of things we're doing. Uh, we, we now write and give away these resources like this devotional on 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. We also do grow groups. We do Sabbath dinners. We do, uh, we, we're completely redoing our Next Steps uh, process. We're redoing our Connect Center uh, training where Jesse had this idea of like, hey, let's give a book to everyone who visits with everything that, that we believe the scripture says about this. And I'm like, Jesse, you're so much smarter than me. Let's do it. We're doing all of these things because we want to train and equip you. Why? Because we want you to be able to know your role, and then we want you to be able to show your role. We want you to be able to understand what God has called you to do, and then we want you to be able to tell others about it. But thirdly, if you want to be on a Super Bowl winning team, you've got to learn to slow your role. You've got to learn to slow your role. 
He says in, the Bible says in here that, um, that we all should with humility and gentleness, with patience, bear one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the body of peace. Here's what that means. Do your absolute best to not be offended by each other and not offend each other. This is what it means. We, if, if a team, I'm working with a, with a couple of athletes right now. One of them just got, um, just got drafted by the Detroit Tigers, and he's in their, their um, AA system. He's going to be a, a catcher for the, their AA system. And I'm working with some other athletes who are trying to get to the college level for basketball. And um, I just had this conversation with some of them who are probably – the most talented basketball players I've ever met personally, but they can't get along as a team. They just can't. And so all the talent they have, they just can't get along. And so they're on this losing streak and the coaches had me come in and do this talk with them, this talk right here. And they're like, look, we've got to find ways for us all to understand that to win, we have to win together. We got to win together. We are one body. This is what God calls us to. Your family is not many individuals in the same house. Your family is one body. I, I, I know the temptation is to get offended at each other. Your wife's not your enemy. Your husband's not your opponent. Your kids are not against you. We just have to learn to slow our roll. This morning um, was the third time, I think, in church history that I, I didn't do all the setup uh, in here. And so I rode in with, with Sam and Isla. And I, it's like the third time ever. And we were riding in and I was like, this is really fun. But what happened before it was really fun was like I had to remind myself, like, your wife will get there when she gets there. She's not the opponent. She's not trying to make you later than you want to be. She's not against you. She likes Tim Hortons. You like the other place. That's okay. We'll go to Tim Hortons. Like, you know, and then all of this to ride together to church, right? Here's what I'm trying to say to you. When you go home today, you get ready for the Super Bowl. You all have roles in your family. They all look different. Brock Purdy's role as a quarterback is entirely different than Patrick Mahomes' role as a quarterback, even though it's the same position. Kirk Cousins is one of my favorite quarterbacks. I just think he's so fun to watch. His role as the quarterback of the Vikings is so entirely different than Patrick Mahomes' role. You have a role in your family and in the kingdom of God. You have a role at your job. You have a role everywhere you go. Know that role. Know the ins and outs of it. Know everything that there is to know about that. And then begin to show it to others. Begin to say to others, hey, let me bring you along so together we can do this. But thirdly, just slow your roll. Slow your roll. I was talking with someone who's not a believer, and we were talking about why they're not a believer, and they said, I really would be, but Christians are always fighting everybody. Like every time I find out someone's a Christian, I look at their social media, and I'm like, yeah, checks out. We've got to learn to slow our roll. We will not change the world with a political post on Facebook. We will not change the world by screaming at someone because they come from a different church. We will not change the world by yelling at the people who are over there by Java Central and they have a different sign up than we would have if we were there. 
we will not change the world through hatred. We only will change the world, he says at the end, building each other in love. We build each, up, we build each other up. We invest time and love into each other and we equip each other and we help each other. And, and we, we, we're the people, Christianity should be the very first people that if someone is in need, if someone has an emergency, if someone needs something, they should know, well, I know that that person will help me because they are a Christian. That is the role. And as we begin to equip each other, as we begin to call each other, as we begin to help each other, as we begin to love each other, we then take the gospel into the world around us, to all those around us, so that they know us for the fact that we love Christ more than anything else. We show our role, we know our role, but we slow our role. Honestly, we shouldn't be offended when unbelievers don't like us. We shouldn't be offended when unbelievers criticize Jesus because they're unbelievers. They don't believe like we do. And we should understand that and be prepared for that. I think kind of we, we, expect, we expect that a fan of the 49ers would, would also, like, because we are fans of the Chiefs, that they should love the whole Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift thing like we do because we're Chiefs fans. That's just not how it goes, right? They're, they're fans of a different team. They're on a different team. So we can't be offended and upset by how all these things go. Instead, we speak the truth, but we do it in love so that we can equip the body. We know our role, we show our role, and we slow our role. And God helps us then to, he puts together in place of all of our weaknesses and failures, he applies grace to all of us and we begin to draw closer to him and we begin to share the gospel and we begin to do and do more and do more and do more and we get to see God help us do things that we never thought were humanly possible. I'm going to ask you all to stand on your feet. I'm going to ask worship team to come up here. Maybe, maybe, um, maybe you're in a point in your life where you need to draft the right quarterback. Maybe you're at that point in your life where you, you still think that, you know what, I think I can get to heaven on my own or I don't even know if there is one and so I'll just trust myself. Maybe that's the point where you are right now. I would encourage you in this moment, in this place, in this time, and in this space, choose Jesus Christ.